great is our God. What an awesome God we serve. Oh, Lord, we just thank, praise you. We honor you. We rejoice in your presence. Just rejoice in your presence. Just take a moment and just, just breathe in some of that heavenly air that comes with the Lord. As you feel his presence, fill this temple. As his presence comes all around you. Jesus did with the disciples in the upper room on that on that day before he was delivered unto the or the night that he was delivered unto the the, parent, the Romans and then they took him and did it and Paul writes for I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on that same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you and do it in remembrance of me. So take the bread. And then he says, in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, remembrance of me. So take the cup. Then Paul writes, for as often as you eat this bread or drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Every time I eat or drink, I will remember the Lord Jesus Christ who made it all possible for for I was a sinner saved by the grace of the Lord. 
It's God that makes all the difference. Oh Lord, we thank you this morning. Again, we thank you for your presence and we honor you, Lord. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor for you truly deserve it, Lord. For we are unworthy to even be in your presence. The ground in which you are is holy ground. And as your presence comes in this temple, this ground is holy. This place is holy, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, if you have a tithe or you have an offering, you can put it in the offering box on the wall there. Lord, we thank you always for the gifts that we receive in this storehouse. And we praise you, Lord. We honor you. You know, this morning we're going to talk about how bright is your light. You know, and this morning I, I had the news on for a few minutes. And the headline said, White House considers putting up something to block sunlight to help with climate change. So now they want to block the sun for climate change. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Really? It's just weird, some of these things that are going on. I mean, France is in a total dismay. There are riots all over the place. You know, and it, it's just coming that way. But it says, Jesus says to us in Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. Yes. Amen. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So if you're a light, you have to shine wherever you go. Amen. You know, and then first in First John 1, 5, it says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So if there's no darkness in God and we are God's image, and we are God's children, and we should be bright lights Amen. in a dark world. Amen. John 1, verse 12, for as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of our God. So if we're born of God, if we've received God, if we have confessed that God is our Lord and Savior and Jesus Christ is ours, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, then we should be lights. So the question becomes, what kind of light are you? I mean, are you hooked up to a dimmer switch? You're bright when you need to be, kind of dimmed down as things go on. You know, you're bright. Come in Sunday morning, come through that door, that dimmer switch goes up, oh, you shine. Get out in that parking lot, and who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? What kind of light are you? 
kind of energy does it take for you to give off your brightness? Are you reading God's word? Are you praying? Are you communicating with God? Because that's what's going to fill that vault. That's what's going to keep that light shining. I mean, you know, yeah, your light is half dim. You're going into a, a grocery store, and all of a sudden you see somebody you go to church with. Whoosh, up comes that dimmer switch. We get bright again. But what do we do when a storm comes? Or when we face a battle, a personal struggle of some kind? The problem is, both of us, when that kind of thing happens, we rely on our own instincts. We fall back on something. We fall back on the way we used to do it. We fall back into our old nature to fight this battle. We forget that we're God's children. Amen. We forget that God has filled us with his Holy Spirit. We forget that we are the light of the world. Amen. Yeah. We just trust ourselves. It can not only measure your blood pressure like the blood pressure meter. Somebody's got a blood pressure. <laughs> Maybe you ought to surrender that to God. <laughs> I mean, there are times, you know, when, when our bulb is just bright, we're moving along. Something happens, and the next thing you know, it's like the power outage. We just go dark. We go dark, maybe with a battle with a friend, a battle with a spouse, a battle with an employer. Something happens, and we go dark. Yep. Guilty. We're still that, supposedly, that bright, shining light. But this blanket of darkness has come over us. It's beginning to cover us like you cover up on a cold, wet, rainy night. You just start pulling those blankets up. You know, others of us deal with it. We look out, we're shining, we're bright, and then the clouds start to come in. Clouds of doubt. Clouds of this, clouds of suffering, clouds, whatever kind of clouds have their best advantage to take care of you. And we tend to fall back again on our own instincts rather than say, I am the light of the world. I am bright. I am shining. Everybody can see me. God is in me. His light is shining through me. Because that's what makes you shine is the light of God. You all remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say trust in the Lord when you feel like it. And lean on your own understanding when it works for you. The scripture doesn't say that. It also says in all ways acknowledge him doesn't say in all ways walk around pat yourself on the back no. tell yourself what a great job you did <laughs> it tells us God will direct our path 
It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Amen. What does that really mean? That means don't think of yourself as the big cheese, the big kahuna, <laughs> that you've got it all figured out. Because the minute you think that, God will bring you to your knees. Or he'll let the enemy attack you. Because you've got to remember any spiritual warfare that you're in, God has given permission. It says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Simple statement. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. How hard is that? It's difficult at times. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, no one can please God. No one. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real and that he rewards those who truly want to find him. In other words, if you're one of those phony Christians, you know, one of the, you all know them, you know them everywhere, you see them all the time. You see them in church. And after church, you never see them again. So church again. Or they're the ones that have a, a get-together and they tell you how great they are with God. And then they go off and live in sin. Those people confess, hey, I love the Lord, but they don't. They don't honestly seek him and God's not going to reward him he tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and we know that every one of us that got up this morning and came to church had faith enough in our cars that they would start there's not a one of us that didn't say our cars are going to start this morning We all had faith that our cars would start. We all have faith that when we turn on that coffee pot in the morning, it's going to make us coffee. We all trust those kind of things. But do we trust that God is going to get us through the struggle? Do we trust that God is going to get us through the battle? He says, surrender it all to him. So, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Amen. We need to remember that. Amen. I mean, some people, they're hooked up. They don't have a dimmer switch at all. They're bright, shining everywhere they go. Every struggle they face, no matter what it is, every battle, every incident that comes their way, every circumstance that they got to face, and they face them all just like all of us. Yes. At times we have financial issues, at times we have health issues, at times we have relationship issues. We face all those things. These are the ones that just know, hey, God's going to get me through. I don't have to worry about it. I have to be smart. 
but with every struggle, with every battle, with every storm, they just surrender it to Jesus. Amen. It makes it so easy. Philippians 1.19 says, For I know, Paul writes, I know as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, it will lead to my deliverance. He's telling us right there, hey, I know you guys are interceding for me, and all of us have prayed for other people in this church. We've prayed for one another. We've tried to encourage one another. Some people we just can't reach sometimes. But it says, as Paul says, as you pray for me, and that I know the spirit of Jesus helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Hebrews 10, 9, 39. But we are not those who turn back and are lost. We are people who have faith and are saved. That's what happens. Some people, when they face that battle, when they face that struggle, their light goes right down to dim and they're right back in the world. They're just gone. They don't think they should have troubles. They don't think they should face things. But they do. We all do. It's how we get through them that makes all the difference. It's who we rely on that makes all the difference. You have a problem and you re rely on me. You might not get much help. I mean, you know, hey, tell me, hey, I need this painted. I ain't climbing no ladders. Rose will shoot me. So we have to understand, we have to trust God. We have to have enough faith in him. And we can't see him. None of us have really met Jesus in his earthly form. You may have had visions, you may have had encounters with Jesus, but he has already risen. We did not meet him and know him before that. Paul wrote in Ephesians that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That means we don't wrestle with each other, but we fight against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of the age. We need to know that. Our battles aren't with each other. It's with the powers of darkness that are fueling them. Because when darkness gets in, it's going to fuel a battle. Amen. And our light has to be bright enough to withstand it. Again, it says against darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms, or the heavenly places. You know, there's been times I've been going through battles, and I've just, just been praying, God, send the archangel Michael, let him fight this battle for me. Let your warring angels go and take this. Let him take this battle, because I can't do it. It's 
So you have to be prepared. You have to be that light on the hill, the one that's shining. You know, if we really, really shine, we probably don't need lights on at all at night. We can just go off the glow of God that flows through us, but none of us are that bright. Yeah. Jesus told us in Matthew, he said as he was sending out the disciples, he said, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So be shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. I'm sending you a sheep. Sheep are not the brightest animals in the world. Just so you know that. That's why he said we're sheep, because we have to follow him. They follow their shepherd. They do what they're led to do. And wolves, they like to devour the easy things. I mean, a wolf is going to take on a sheep long before it takes on a lion. The world is very hostile to believers. It's not incidentally hostile. It's not something oh, they just bump into and they're a little bit hostile. No. They're intentionally hostile towards believers. Intentionally hostile. They will come after you. They're coming after people of faith all over the place. And wolves, they're intentionally hostile. They want to inflict on those. So in, in such an environment that we have, how can we advance the kingdom of God? How can we be effective when we're actually praying ourselves? Jesus taught his followers to be Christ-like in a godless world. To combine the wisdom of a serpent with the harmlessness of a dove. Now we all know how shrewd that serpent was. We all can remember Genesis 3.1 when he convinced Eve to take a bite of that fruit. Shrewd. But we have to be as gentle and harmless as a dove. Be subtle, is what he's saying. Be crafty, be shrewd. A dove, on the other hand, represents innocence. It's harmless. I mean, it's a dove that descended on Jesus as he came out of the water as John the Baptist baptized him and said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. A dove is a sign of the Holy Spirit. Doves are symbols of baits. Snakes are symbols of something sneaky. I mean, you don't mind the character of a dove. I say, oh, you're like a dove. Oh, But if you're like, if I say, hey, you're like a snake. Oh my God. Oh, you're not too, nobody's happy about that one. 
Nobody wants to be called a snake. Nobody wants to have that image hanging over their head. The context of a snake, even in today's society, is not good. It just isn't. I mean, when my daughter and her husband lived up in Wesley Chapel, we went up there to visit, and he had one of those aquarium cages, a big one. What they'd have in it, but a snake. Oh. <laughs> and I said, what, what do you got? Oh, it's a snake. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, so even in a box, in a glass box that the thing hopefully can't get out of, although <laughs> he's told me it's gotten out a couple of times. He doesn't have it anymore, but you know, the context of snakes. You know, it's just that. So we have an image. I mean, you never see a snake in a good light. No, no. No, not at all. Not even when Jesus used it as a tool in this teaching did it come off as a good light. When he told them to be shrewd as snakes, he just couldn't figure out anything else to compare it to. <laughs> Peter tells us in 1 Peter, he says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and strong in your faith. Remember that you're a family of believers all over the world are having the same suffering you face. There is not a Christian anywhere that's facing anything different than what you're facing. Some are in more horrid situations like genocide in certain countries and stuff like that. We're not facing that yet, but we may. The King James tells us be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, is out to devour you. So you, the only way you can overcome that is be that bright, shining light that Jesus says you are. If you're his follower, you are a bright, shining light. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world and will achieve this victory through faith. Every child of God defeats the evil of this world Amen. and will achieve victory through faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those that believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's amazing. We can overcome everything that we face because we believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's nothing that can come up against us. In the book of Revelation, John refers to believers as victorious conquerors. He says that many times. And he's not saying that, hey, we're super Christian. We got this great thing going on. We're just so wonderful. We're super people. 
He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is that every true believer is an overcomer because he has been born of God. You can overcome the ways of the world because you've been born of God. Ephesians tells us once you were full of darkness, and we all were. But now you have light from the Lord. So live like people of the light. John again spoke in chapter 8. He said, Jesus spoke to the people once more. And he said to them, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have light that leads you to life. What's he talking about? You're going to be victorious. You're going to have life after, after death. You're going to have eternal life with him. And there's a scripture I read the other day that said Jesus is going to call you up and you're going to sit on a throne with him. I wait for that day. For everything, this we have to remember. In the book of Mark, it says this. For everything that is hidden will be eventually brought into the open. And every secret will be brought to light. Mm -hmm. What he's saying here is you can hide nothing from God. Mm -hmm. And eventually, everybody's going to know everything. You can hide nothing. Luke put it this way. For all that is secret will be eventually be brought into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought into the light and made known to all. You can't hide anything. You really can't hide anything in this world. I mean, you got people, you pick up bits and pieces of every story everywhere. Sooner or later, you figure it out. Nothing can be hidden. You have to be in the light. In the book of Acts, they're talking about a thing where they are speaking, and Paul says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. I mean, that's the message that we have to carry. We're the light. We have to carry the message to those in the darkness. We have to let them see what it is to live in light. Because I'll be honest, when you're living in darkness, you don't see that. You don't see that at all. All you see is you're getting along fine. Everything's going. Your instincts are keeping you alive. You're surviving. You don't know there's a whole different thing. I mean, when I got saved, it changed drastically. My thought processes changed, my thinking changed, everything changed. As Jesus came through me, as the Holy Spirit began to dwell in me, and the darkness I lived in seemed like a different world, because it is. It is a totally different world. Luke 179. 
says to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. This is our job. This is what we're to do. Give light to those who sit in darkness. You know, I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous, but when I first started going to church regularly, they had groups of people that would go out and actually give away light bulbs. Like we went out one time, we parked the back of a pickup truck in a Walgreens parking lot, and we're giving out boxes of light bulbs to anybody that wanted them. Why? Because we figured we're the light of the world. Here's some light. You don't have to live in darkness. Okay. It was one of the ministries. It was one of the outreaches they had. Of course, every case had the church's name, phone number, address, all that on it. I mean, it was a promotional thing, but it was also a thing to reach people. God is light. Here's our bulbs. Matthew 4.16 says, the people who sat in darkness now have seen a great light. That's the transition I went through. I saw a totally great light from the darkness I lived in. And I mean, I lived in darkness. I remember walking down the street one night, a kid come up and put a gun right to my head. I mean, it was like this. His mother came, saw it, and she came out of that, out of her front door, and she hit him with a broom. <laughs> she said, "Don't you do that?" I mean, that's what saved me. It was a kid's mother, but I had it. The gun was right to my head. So yes. We as people of the light, we as people of God, we as that bright light shines, we're to go and we're to reach people who are in darkness. For they live in a land where death casts a shadow, where light shines. And we have to overcome that they, and get through that message to them because they live in darkness. And darkness will cast shadows. The light will always overcome. I mean, we have a light in our dining room. Sort of dining room is attached to our living room. It's just, which is attached to the kitchen. So it's just one long room. But there's a light, and it's on a dimmer switch. And at night, we just put the dimmer switch and put the light all the way down. But you get up in the middle of the night, that light is illuminated, the whole area. When you first turn it down, you can see nothing. So light will always overcome darkness. Amen. It doesn't matter, but you have to be the light, because that's what God has called you to be. Second Corinthians 4, 6 told us, for God who said, let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts 
so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. Think about that. Let there be light in the darkness. The light shines in our heart. So the glory of God that was seen in the face of Jesus, we carry with us. We carry that with us. If you remember in Exodus, Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and he's got the stone tablets. The Ten Commandments are on. The Israelites, he's been gone so long, they're making idols out of golden images. They got a golden calf and all this stuff. They're, they're down there worshiping all these idols. And he's coming down the mountain, and his face is shining so much because he was in the presence of God. They couldn't bear to look at him. He had to wear a veil over his face just so he could communicate with people because the light was so bright. It's awesome. Peter and John, their shadow, because they gave off so much light, their shadows, if you just got in their shadow, you were healed. Just got in their shadow, you were healed. John 1, 5 says, the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness can never extinguish it. God's light shines in you. No darkness can put it out. Amen. No darkness. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Oh Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, let the light that Jesus has brought into our life, let that light shine. Let us always have our light bright. Let us not dim down during the week, but let us shine every day. Let us shine everywhere we go, everyone we meet, everyone we talk to, Lord. Let our light be so bright that people will see us shine in the darkness and want to know, how do I get that light? What is that light? Remember, we always have to be smart. We always have to use our brains. We have to be. But we always have to be harmless and peaceful. For we are peacemakers, but we are shining a bright light. If you need prayer this morning, the, the altars are open. We're more than happy to, to pray with you. We, won't, we don't want anybody to go home with anything on their heart, with no troubles, nothing discouraging them or in any way affecting them. It is a holiday weekend, and we want everybody to celebrate. Because today, or Tuesday, is 
everybody calls the 4th of July, but it's really Independence Day. It's the day that the United States fought and won their independence and were free. And we all have a day where we declare Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we became free. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from the corruption that goes around. So we have to remember what independence actually is. Because we understand it. We have become independent. We have become free. We have become bright shining lights. Because of what Jesus Christ did on a cross. And this country celebrates Independence Day because it won its independence from England. And we became a nation. So Lord, we thank you today for all of that. Lord, we just thank you. So again, if you need prayer before we close, if all minds are clear, all hearts are right, go with the Lord. God bless you all. Enjoy the holiday.